This is Daniel Gallardo, and you're listening to the Tenkara Cast, a podcast about the simple Japanese method of fly fishing, Tenkara. In the Tenkara Cast, we'll be sharing information on techniques, history, philosophy, and Tenkara stories from anglers all over the world. This podcast is brought to you by Tenkara Yosei, introducing Tenkara outside of Japan since 2009. It's only possible we create content such as this podcast and videos because of your support. So we thank you so very much for purchasing Tenkara Yosei rods, lines, and flies. I hope you enjoy learning more about the simple method of fly fishing. All right, so today I'm super excited to be here recording the Tenkara cast in a secret location in New Jersey. Uh, I uh, ran into Dave Hughes here at the fly fishing show in Somerset and uh, I've known Dave for quite some time. We've fished together in the past, but this is the first time we're talking in a recorded environment with a little recorder here to talk a little bit about Tenkara, uh, Dave's experience with Tenkara, and it's pretty fascinating. I was uh, just to kind of give you a little introduction. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard about Dave Hughes. He's written a lot of books, very prolific writer, and Dave is somebody that I've learned a lot about fly fishing through his books. And all of a sudden, at one point, I learned that Dave had been familiar with Tenkara for longer than I had, uh, probably 10 years longer, and he had been practicing Tenkara. And it was absolutely one of the coolest things to have somebody of his stature, Dave Hughes, uh, knowing Tenkara and then getting out and fishing with him. So, Dave, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to studio <laughs> oh it's good to, good to be here in this little little spot yeah the secret location <laughs> but dave so why don't you tell us a little bit about when you discovered tenkara how you got into it well about 20 probably more than 20 years ago i was on a trip to japan with my future wife masako tani who's a fly fishing writer from japan and i we were fishing a small stream and one of the people we were with pulled out a little rod and extended it and went fishing down a little stream that was tumbling over rocks and down through brush and et cetera, et cetera. And he didn't catch a fish, but I got hooked by what he was doing. I thought that is the coolest thing in the world and I want to do that. And I can tell you about the first picture of me fishing Tankara was on that trip and I'd forgotten it until I saw it recently. But we stopped by a little pay pond, and they had the trout that were going to go into the pool in a tank. And as a joke, we set up the tenkara rod, and I put on an old Vietnam hat, kind of coolie hat, and it was raining like crazy. And we pretended we were fishing in this little aquarium tank. And I have pictures of myself and pictures of Masako fishing with a tenkara rod in this, this tank, an aquarium tank in a parking lot. And that's the first picture of me ever fishing Tenkara. And uh, we didn't catch any. We didn't actually put a fly on. But, but I was quite surprised to find that picture in my old slides recently. Do you know when that was? What year that would have been? You know, I'm going to guess. I think those slides, I think I actually looked at the, the label on the slides, and it seems to me like it was 1992. Oh, wow. So we're talking about 17 years before the introduction of Tenkara in the United States. So you've known about Tenkara for a long time. Yeah, I've been doing Tenkara for a long time. I, a friend of mine gave me a rod very soon after we came back from that trip, and I started doing it. But I think what needs to be known is that while Daniel's Tenkara fishing is 
shorter than mine, it's much broader, it's much deeper. But my tenkara fishing is over a very, very long period of time. But my experience is thin because I didn't do it many times a year. Well, you're busy writing books about soft tackle, wet fly fishing, and traveling all over the place to write your uh, books that uh, everybody knows about. <laughs> those, those were busy years, and, and the way I used Tenkara in those years was, unfortunately, going fishing became somewhat my, somewhat my work, and when I wanted to go fishing to completely relax, it was usually on a small stream, and if I took out the Tenkara rod, there was no camera, there was nobody else around. I took that out to relax completely and it became somewhat of a kind of a, think of it in terms of a meditation where the only thing involved when I went with the Tenkara rod was fishing. There wasn't anything else around that. Yeah, that's amazing, I can see that. Just kind of taking a break by uh, you know, using the Tenkara rod. Maybe I should uh, use a reel to take a break on my own time and not feel like I'm working sometimes, huh? <laughs> I think what you should do is take the Tenkara rod out with no leader or no line. Uh -huh. I think that we're going to solve this because you have to go simpler. Yeah. And the only way you can go simpler with Tenkara, Daniel, I'm sorry, is to leave off the line. Or I can leave the rod behind and go tickle fish under the rocks, too. <laughs> yeah, Ralph Cutter does that. I've seen Ralph Cutter do that down yeah. in California. That's a very, very good way to fish. That's uh, minimal. Simplest. <laughs> Not sure if it's the simplest way to fly fish, but definitely that's, a simple that's right. way to catch fish. Yep. Now, tell me about Masako, too. Like, so your wife is Japanese um, from Japan, and has she? How is? Because um, it's really interesting. It's kind of like my wife and I. It's uh, my wife is Japanese American, Margaret. And she does Brazilian drumming. I'm from Brazil. And I do this Japanese method of fly fishing. So we kind of took over each other's cultures in a way. What about uh, you and Masako? And well, it's a very of... close parallel. We were just on um, Oregon Public Broadcasting Television doing a Tenkara thing. They, and the reason they came to us is they wanted somebody Japanese doing Tenkara fishing. And so the producer came to our house and interviewed us a little bit about doing this. And Masako said, well, it's interesting that I'm not that interested in Tankara fishing, but Dave is. And he laughed and he said, that makes a really better angle. And, and it was kind of cute that um, Masako's Japanese and doesn't do a lot of Tankara fishing. And I'm not Japanese and I absolutely love Tankara fishing. That's amazing. <laughs> it is. They were amazed. And so, it, became, it became the angle that they used when they did that segment of television. And that's, uh, any, did you mention that that's an available uh, segment that people can find online, possibly, uh, the video? It is. It's only a seven-minute segment, and you would have to um, just Google Oregon Public Broadcasting, and you might be able to just add Tenkara to that and come up with it. I, I have a link to it, but... Perfect. Obviously, I can't remember the link in sure. my head right now. <laughs> well, we are not going to try to give you the link, but I will put. I'll try to put the video on this episode's page. So our podcasts are on tenkariusa.com forward slash podcast, and when we have our episode there, I'll try to have the video embedded for anybody that wants to watch Dave Hughes tenkara fishing video. Um, we caught one trout, and it was a small one. It was it. That's how it happens when you're filming. It's, it's so it was hard. really, really, really. It was October. Masako had actually flown in from Japan the day before. Uh -huh. She landed. We went out the next day. I was amazed she stayed awake. She looked fine. She didn't look like she was just in from Japan. But yeah. 
um, she actually was just in from Japan and we filmed the next day and it was a rainy day in October. Yeah, well, when you have a camera rolling, it's just so hard. I, you know, I'd be making videos. I haven't written a book like you have yet, but, uh, you know, videos, it, when your life depends on it, it seems like it's hard to catch fish. <laughs> That's something I've never gotten into video. In fact, I told the guys from Oregon Public Broadcasting that I normally didn't allow myself to be filmed, and I'm getting into old age now, or approaching it at least, and I have actually intentionally avoided being um, filmed, so well, I might relent. Perfect. Maybe we'll have to get out again and do some filming. You and I fished, uh, probably been two or three years now, we fished on the Crooked River in Oregon. Uh, that was pretty fun, but I didn't film anything, unfortunately. Um, well, I probably wouldn't have let you. Yeah, but uh, maybe things will change now. <laughs> I, w I would probably enjoy it now. I'm, I'm actually thinking about leaning that way. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and after we fished together, um, you were, I don't know if you were working at the time, but you released a new edition of one of your most popular books, I believe, uh, Small Stream uh, Fly Fishing. Or, yeah, I, yeah, Trout from Small Streams. Trout from was, Small Streams was done in a second edition recently. Just as kind of background, the, the first edition of the book was a hardbound with no pictures. And the reason for that was that the president of Stackpole, who just unfortunately recently passed away, read the manuscript and said, you know, Dave, the pictures are in the words. We don't need pictures. And that was extremely flattering. However, the book needed pictures because as a hardbound with no pictures, it fell flat. Mm -hmm. So we just recently redid it with... Um, probably 150 photos, and uh, it's been doing fine. And there's a chapter on tenkara fishing in that book that I added. And it's a great chapter. I mean, I I, was, I can't tell you how honored I was to be included in your book, one of your books. You know, having a chapter on tenkara, and you recounted her, you know the experience of us fishing together. Um, and that was pretty cool. And but one of the things that you mentioned a little bit earlier too is. You know, your, bra your knowledge of Tenkara is longer. You've been doing it for long, much longer than I have. Um, you know, I've done a little deeper. I've gone in search of Tenkara in Japan. You've done a lot deeper. <laughs> a lot deeper. But there's some stuff, for example, that, you know, you might have mentioned in the book. But what do you think were some of the things that you were doing perhaps differently or things that you've learned once we started kind of communicating and went fishing as well? Well, once we started communicating, the rods became infinitely better when you started devising them or, or designing them. And, and the difference was that the rods, although the, my first 10 car rod to this day may still be my favorite, it was about 10 feet long, probably a, somewhere around a 300 centimeter. And um, <clears throat> it was a very light, delicate rod. It would not be considered a 10 car rod. It would be kind of a micro fishing rod. Um, but it was a very delicate thing that cast really well. And the reason I say it was perfect is because the streams I fish up in the northwestern part of Oregon have canopies of trees, and those canopies of trees make it inconvenient to cast with a longer rod. So, but um, the roto then has solved that problem because it's the adjustable length and that short length really, really is suitable for my, my uh, small streams. I think I, I don't know if you folks are aware, but I I immediately went when my editor at Fly Rod and Reel asked me for Kudo ideas, Kudo Award ideas 
the roto just popped into my mind instantly and I, I asked for permission to write about the roto as a kudo award winner and was given that permission and just think it's an amazing rod that extends from uh, I'm going to say 9 feet to 10 feet to 11 feet and as it extends in my opinion it, it not only extends but it changes its action to suit the length which would you have to think in terms of as you change that length you change the size of the water you're fishing and you want a different action for each of those different kinds of water so I was surprised that the action suited each of those different sizes of water pretty perfect so I use it mostly on the short setting mm -hmm. yeah yeah if you're fishing tight streams the road is such a delightful little rod that's a uh, um you know those uh Absolutely, one of the coolest things to have the Kuda Award coming from Dave Hughes. Still, like I was very pleased, and thank you for you know recognizing you know the the work I guess they went into it. So, um, as I've said before, that award was eminently well deserved. Oh, that rod, yeah. uh, to me, that rod just solved some problems that uh, were very unique, oh, very thank unique, you. and in a unique way. I appreciate that. And, and any other things like, you know, like, so a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, well, let me mention too, by the way, I'll take a quick second. If uh, people listening to the episode are hearing a lot of noise in the background in our secret location here, there's a lot of people from the fly fishing show behind us. So forgive if there's any big noise going on. We couldn't find a room that was with closed doors. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> we tried to get everybody else to leave, but they wouldn't. Yeah, they're all partying too much right now. Everybody has to be out drinking. I don't know how they have the energy to do that. Um, uh, it's a long I, day I can today. see how they have the energy to do that. I don't have to see how they have the energy to do what they have to do tomorrow. That's, yeah, that's true. That is very true. <laughs> Another day of show tomorrow. But, uh, but you know, beyond the um, the equipment, so a lot of people maybe listening to this have been kind of playing with Tenkara on their own, trying to discover it, and some people might have got some tips from us, maybe not. Um, but you self-taught Tenkara. I mean, pretty much you picked up a rod and you start fishing with that. That's kind of... And, and that's the way I, I learned fly fishing. Mm -hmm. I self-taught fly fishing. Mm -hmm. So I, I was never... I've taught a lot more fly fishing than I've taken. Now, so after so many years of doing Tenkara, uh, just kind of self-teaching, like every, like myself too, when I started learning how to fly fish, I completely self-taught as well. And then, of course, I started taking you know some little clinics here and there, and I just started learning all this stuff that I had no idea. Uh, what do you think you've learned or seen in Tenkara that maybe was done a little differently from how you kind of had been practicing or teaching yourself? Anything that comes to mind about that? You know, I'm probably going to disappoint you here that when I go Tenkara fishing, it's still a meditation. And I almost always fish the same box of flies that I would fish on small streams with western gear. And I essentially fish a little bit the same way. I don't, I, that's why I say that your experience is deep and mine is shallow. Because I just go out there and I fish dry flies if the condition's right for them. Maybe sometimes I'll even drop a nymph off the dry fly Tenkara fishing. One of my favorite rigs, Tenkara fishing, and it may be a heresy, is to take about a size 14 beadhead nymph and put a yarn indicator, a little pea-sized or a little bit bigger yarn indicator three feet up from it or four feet up from it, and use that. I do that a lot on my tiny, small streams. And um, I think maybe that's heretical in terms of Tenkara fishing, but 
again, I'm out there for my pleasure, not out there for, uh, I'm not even out there to um, observe the tradition of Tenkara fishing. I'm out there to please me, please myself. Oh, and honestly, and that's how I should be. And I think, you know, in the beginning too, um, you know, it's always been a challenging for me, like personally, because, um, you know, like I had this idea of introducing Tenkara as its practice in Japan and kind of sharing the story, sharing how it's done, not because of any sense of tradition, but partly because I think the way it's done in Japan, it's the best way to keep it simple, you know, like just kind of keeping very small fly selections and that kind of thing. And I think, and I recognize it, and I, I think maybe in the beginning, I might have possibly come across as dogmatic, you know, pre like preaching how it should be done. And I, and I hate the fact that I might have done that. I think I wasn't aware of coming across that way. But uh, yeah, I think the, the one thing that I always like to try to tell people, it's like I like sharing the way it's done there so that we know there's a different way of thinking about it. But I apologize if I ever made it feel like there's a tradition or anything. I don't think there's a heresy to it. And I don't think the, the masters, if you will, <laughs> think it's um, heresy, really, because there are everybody does it a little different. Well, who said that um, you should each take your pleasure from Tenkara in your own way? Uh, the Japanese writer, uh, very well said. Yeah, I think there's been a few variations of that. I'm not sure who yeah. said exactly yeah. that, but uh, it can be done in a lot of ways. And I think part of it, too, is the battle of trying to be like, you know, what is Tenkara? Kind of trying to understand a little bit more and having those discussions and that kind of thing. So well, I deal with this, and not in Tenkara, but I, I just had a book come out on wet fly fishing, a second edition. And just today I, I, I had a room full of people and taught, uh, gave a slideshow on wet fly fishing and wet flies. And, and the main question that comes up every time I talk about wet flies is, well, Dave, what about weighting them? And what I say, and this reflects back on me, is I say, well, if you weight it, it's fine, but it's no longer a wet fly in my definition. So I think what we're talking about here in this whole thing is your own definitions and your own dogmas. And if you want to be dogmatic yourself, that's great. Mm -hmm. And um, if I want to be dogmatic and say that if you wait a wet fly, it's not a wet fly anymore, mm -hmm. it's a nymph, that's great. And I tell these people, look, go ahead and wait your wet flies, but you might be nymph fishing when you do it. Exactly. So, yeah. And that's only my opinion, and I think everybody should please themselves in the way that they desire to. Yeah, and I think that really is kind of the... <clears throat> One thing that I'd love for people to know, and I'd love to kind of repeat that, you know, it's like you should fish how you want. And I try to make that a point in my presentations. I get into the flies chapter of my presentation, flies part. And when I talk about that, I talk about some traditional flies, how they're used, and the fact that Tinkata English in Japan might not be switching flies. But before I even start talking about that, it's like, hey, I want to make sure that you know you can use your favorite fly. You can use it with dry flies, with nymphs. Uh, I'm going to share it the way it's done here because it's a different way of thinking about fly fishing. And I think to a large extent, too, it's like the definition. You know, like we all know what a dry fly is. You know, it's like, you know, a fly that kind of floats. And I think we only know that because people have somewhat discussed, you know, what constitutes a dry fly. And there might have been a little bit of that in Tenkara as well. So I'm glad to know you're fishing it how you want to fish. <laughs> you know, yeah. just, just kind of a less than comical example but fun that i just recently had on a, one of my favorite streams that i was fishing it with a um a muddler daddy which is who knows is that a streamer or a wet fly it's pretty big size eight size ten 
and there were grasshoppers around and I was fishing with Tenkara and I started catching a lot of fish on it but I would see one or two fish chasing it at the same time and just for fun and it was fun I tied on another mother daddy as a dropper about two feet from the first one and then I started fishing it downstream just kind of dapping and and hammering it here and there and every and and fish started chasing and I had a couple on and they went in different directions and broke it off. And I was <laughs> thought my I thought my it was fishing the Iwana that day. Uh -huh. and I thought, oh no, I'm putting my rod in danger here. <laughs> but uh, gosh, I had a lot of fun fishing too. I don't, I'm not recommending anybody else do this, but they actually <laughs> amounted to fishing two streamers on a Tenkara outfit at the same time. And uh, and it was an adventure when you'd get two fish and they're 12, 13 inches and they'd go in different directions. I bet. <laughs> it was going to be a disaster. I, I haven't had that problem or, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a cool, fun problem to have potentially. But uh, maybe because I don't use two flies usually. Yeah. Uh, and usually the fish solves the problem for you and you uh -huh. just have to tie on a new fly. Yeah, yeah, that happens to us. And talking about streamers too, I will share. And we I talked about this with uh, Tom Rosenbauer from Orvis. Uh, at one point, I was visiting Orvis, and the guys there took me to one of the, their local rivers, and they're chucking streamers for brown trout. And it ended up being a very slow day, but we did talk about the fact that I did chuck some big streamers. <laughs> so, oh, that's good. I just actually wrote an article on fishing streamers with bamboo, uh -huh. and that wasn't Tenkara fishing, but we were fishing these big weighted streamers on bamboo rods. And it turned out to work real well, but it didn't have anything to do with bamboo, but I guess, I'm sorry, with Tenkara. But I guess it does tell you, you can get your pleasure in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, now let's talk a little bit about wet flies too, because like you're very famous for wet flies, your book, you know, I, I don't know if it was the title wet flies and I, you know, it's, it, this is an, in, an impromptu kind of conversation. So I don't have the list of titles of the books that you've done, but the title is just wet flies, right? The title is just wet flies. Yeah. It has a subtitle. Yeah. Um, um, tying and fishing soft tackles and flints and all for wets. Perfect. Yeah, and I'll put that on our blog on our podcast page as well. But you mentioned one of your favorite flies being a little nymph. Uh, do you use soft tackle uh, wet flies uh, pretty often with tenkara as well? No, I don't. I can't say that I do. I, I guess that I use my, when I'm fishing tenkara. I'm going to have my small stream fly box with me. And my small stream fly box has a selection of dry flies, and it has a small selection of nymphs, and a small selection of soft tackles and wet flies, and a small selection of streamers, most of which are muddlers and muddler daddies. And I can't say that the soft tackle is one that I've really fished a lot. Um, I've fished the Kabari fly uh, a substantial amount on the Temkar, and that's a soft tackle, just reverse soft tackle maybe. I, so I'm going to say it this way. Most of my soft tackle fishing with Tenkara has been done with, with Kabari flies, if I'm pronouncing it right. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's great. Uh, and actually, I, I should mention too, like now I remember, too, this just kind of brought up a memory that your book is so famous. When you and I were fishing together uh, out in Oregon on the Crooked River, all of a sudden this woman, I think there's only one person there, and she comes and, you know, you're dressed up in fishing waders and probably a hat, and... She was nearby our campsite, and she's like, "Are you Dave Hughes?" And it's like, and she goes to her car, gets a couple of books out, I think, but one of them was the soft tackle wet flies book, 
And she comes out, it's like, I have your book right here in my car. And I thought that was pretty cool. Well, thank you for reminding me. That was an ego trip I didn't even remember until now, but I remember it now. Yeah. And I actually think she came up, and I actually introduced you as the Tenkara Guru, and, and, and then you introduced me as Dave Hughes, and that's when she said oh, I had right. to. So wasn't that the way it went? Yeah, I think I actually your memory's you. better than mine. <laughs> I introduced you to her uh-huh. and said, have you heard of Tenkara? This is the guru. And, and she said no. That and is then, true, yeah. And then Daniel said, this is Dave Hughes, yeah. and she recognized me and, and uh, had a couple of my books handy. That and is still totally true. Was, yeah, that was pretty wild. Uh, that was wild, yes. <laughs> that was yes. fun. Um, and the other thing that I want to talk to you about, you know, uh, I don't want to take all of your evening. We got a long day tomorrow, but you know, we share one, at least one other passion, which is mushroom hunting. Uh, you got into that pretty heavily a couple of years. Actually, I think soon after you and I fished together, I, I had always wanted to go mushroom hunting and we moved to Colorado about a year later and this thing kind of stayed in my mind, but you and I talked a little bit about mushroom hunting and I actually went and oh, started yeah, researching good, good, good. yeah and my wife and i really got into it big time about actually it's been three years now um started going after morels and you know bolites and you know we actually we kind of know about a dozen mushrooms now kind of comfortably um that we go harvesting but one of the things that you mentioned in your book that i, I liked it's uh, when you say that tinkat is a great and I'm just paraphrasing here, a great activity on its own, but it's also a really good adjunct to other activities. You can go hiking, backpacking, mushroom hunting, I think you might have mentioned, and bring a tenkata ride along. Do you and Masako Fish uh, take a ride along when you do different things? How do you? Oh, uh, we we um, typically go tenkara fishing to go tenkara fishing. We very often go to a small stream and are intent just to fish it you have to understand a little bit that our mushrooms, when it's mushroom season in Oregon, it might be freezing out when we're after matsutakis, and when we're after chanterelles, it's going to be raining heavily, and that's what we go after. And um, so we don't combine it just because of seasonal problems with that. But I, I would say that in a typical day on a stream that I'm Tenkara fishing and Masako's Western fishing, and we're leapfrogging pools, and we're combining it with berry picking, Quite often, we go up berry picking and tenkara fishing. Um, I want to kind of unspool. There's two things I'm going to tell you. Is number one, you've just gotten yourself in trouble again because we've been doing mushroom hunting for 20 years ever since Masako and I. She came to, from Japan to here and we got married, and, and we've been mushroom hunting. But again, that experience is long, but thin. We go once or twice a year. We get a bunch of mushrooms, and we only go after chanterelles and now we go after matsutakis but you just took up mushroom hunting three years ago and from what you just said you are more expert at it already than yeah. i am <laughs> I so again so. my experience is long but thin and yours is short but deep well but you know what i've heard it's, it was really surprising to me because when we fished together i used to live in san francisco and i drove up to oregon uh not too long after that we went to colorado and started mushroom hunting there um uh, when I got to Colorado, I did not expect to find any mushroom hunting. I thought it was going to be a very dry yeah, state. Right. And lo and behold, I did a little, little research, and there were some groups that were going out and looking for mushrooms, and I joined them. And then I learned that Colorado is one of the top two regions in the country to I search for mushrooms. That. Yeah. So the Pacific Northwest, you know, has a 
good number, like a big abundance of mushrooms, but Colorado has one of the biggest diversities of mushrooms too. And it's, it's a little bit of feast or famine, you know, depending right. how dry a year it is, but um, you have to come over in the summer. Hey, I'm ready. Masako's ready. Masako loves to hunt mushrooms. Yeah. She is <laughs> wild about it. Um, and, and it sounds like, from what I'm hearing, that you have more diversity than you do. We might. Uh, that's kind of what I've heard. I mean, that's, we, that's what I'm hearing yeah. from you, is that you're seeing more different kinds of mushrooms. There is definitely a lot. Yeah. I mean, the biggest one is probably the bolites, and we found some basketball-sized bolites over the summer. <laughs> that was pretty fun. Well, that's interesting, because I, I, we started off with chanterelles, and then we added masatakis. And my next goal is bolites. So you're on. Come over. Come you're over. On, you're yeah. on. And the one thing we cannot find, and I have to go back to uh, to visit you guys, is uh, you know we had the ferns that uh, that we eat. You know the Japanese ferns. Nay. Yeah, and, and they uh, eat a ton of them. Yeah, and uh, for some reason I'm blanking out on a name. I'm. That's uh, the bracken fern. The bracken they fern. They call in it English. the fiddlehead, but it's not that really. No, no it's a different a one. Yeah, the bracken fern, but I'm. Forgetting the Japanese name for some reason. It's one of my favorite things oh, that you'll come back oh, to. Oh, wallaby. Yeah, wallaby. Yeah. So, you know, like when we went fishing together, Masako and you had just gone and found a bunch of wallaby or the bracken ferns. And, and we have, I found a couple of the spots that have them as well, yeah, but really? uh, yeah. a little harder to find. <laughs> I, I have to say that she likes it better than I do. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I eat it. But she, what she does, she she's really a harvester. You can't get her out of a patch of anything until the patch is gone or the light is gone. Uh -huh. And what she does is she actually takes care of it all and gets it all ready. It has to be soaked in, yeah. I think, in baking, baking soda, baking soda uh, yeah. to get the is the carcinogen that has to be soaked out. And then she gives it to everybody that she knows. All of her Japanese friends get a big load of this. And when we go mushroom hunting, sometimes if the chanterelles are really abundant, We'll come home with a hundred pounds. Whoa! And boy, everybody on our street, everybody in town who's got relationships to Japanese, everybody is very happy. Oh, so wow! We, we just get a ton of them. We can't eat them all. Um, and now you caught my attention. That the chanterelles is one thing that's been kind of elusive for us. I know we have plenty of them, but I've had a hard time finding them. True. So, well, yeah, yeah. They, they're 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 really abundant in Oregon. We've missed it. And we'll start wrapping up the conversation, but um, you and I talked a little bit about Japan. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I'll be going there in April this year, and you're looking at going there as well, right? Yeah, we're going to spend the month of March there. Our daughter's studying there. She's gone to college in Tokyo, and she'll be, a soft, she's a sophomore now. She'll be junior next year. And um, we're going to go over and spend the month of March looking around, trying to get in some fishing and spending time with our daughter. Perfect, and uh, hopefully you'll find some good fishing. We've got a little bit more conversation to do, you know, about uh, where to send you guys to find some good fish, I think. I hope so. <laughs> but maybe we'll even try to cross paths in, in Japan if fun. you get a That'll chance. Well, um, we got a long day tomorrow here at the Fly Fishing Show. Uh, yeah. Anything else that you think we missed that you still want to discuss about Tenkara? We might have another opportunity to do an episode if you guys come visit or... I'm going to add right. one thing that it, it's not on a, a high note, but it's a sad note and yet a good note. A good friend of mine passed away not long ago, and I went to his funeral in Astoria, my old hometown. And um, on my way home from the funeral, I, I had my tankara rod and a pair of waders, waiting shoes in the car, and I stopped along and 
old familiar stream and just got out, parked the car, went down to the stream, through the trees, and then I fished up maybe only two, three hundred yards of stream and car fishing, sat on some rocks and sat on some logs and did some thinking about my friend and uh, caught some nice cutthroats. And then at the end of that two, three hundred yards, I just glued my rod down, telescoped it back down and walked back through the trees to the road and back to my car. But I just, you, you asked about what kind of activities you can combine Tenkara with. And I think what it reflects back to is you can combine it with meditations, even about things like a funeral. Uh, it's touching. It's, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of times it's one of those times we can somewhat tune off and kind of find ourselves a little deeper, that kind of thing. Exactly. Sorry about your friends passing him, but he, he's fine now that I went Tenkara fishing. There you go. <laughs> he never did turn the car fish. <laughs> and Dave, uh, I know you're also speaking at a fair number of clubs throughout the country. Uh, and um, and you also mentioned that you talk about your experiences with Tenkara fairly often in this presentation. Is that right? Uh, that's correct. I put together a slideshow on Tenkara fishing for club meetings and presentations. And it's been quite popular. Probably well, maybe my second or third most popular show. I think out of curiosity. And I think out of the, I, I recommend it if people aren't sure what they want to have, I say, well, how about Tenkara fishing? And since we're in the East, I'll say that the first time I put that slideshow together was just about 20 slides because the club in Pennsylvania said, well, we've been hearing about this Tenkara and we heard you do it. Could you put something short together on it before your real presentation? So I put together about 20 slides and... Um, did that short presentation on it, and then from there I decided, well, it's worth spooling it out into a, a full-size program. So great! Wow. So I've been enjoying giving that, and it's a nice way to. But you know what? It's done. It just made me go out there ten car fishing with a camera now. It's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> now what are you gonna do for a break? You know, mushroom hunting, I suppose. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, so you know, if uh, for our listeners, if you have a chance to find Dave Hughes speaking at your local fly fishing club or trying to limit a club, uh, definitely don't miss the opportunity to go and shake his hands, learn about his experience with the Kara in person as well as his best experience of fly fishing uh, as a whole in general. I think you won't be. Uh, you won't regret having seen his presentation so but dave thank you so very much for sitting with me having a brief conversation about tenkara i know our listeners are gonna appreciate listening to that and uh, we'll, uh hopefully we'll get together at least once more this year sometime in the summer or in japan who knows sounds good you're welcome and uh, like everything to do with tenkara it's fun awesome until next time guys on the tenkara cast thank you <laughs>